Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility by a natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, we are talking about endometritis, a silent offender in the game of fertility. Endometritis is inflammation of the lining of the uterus, and it's really pesky because it can contribute to failed implantation, miscarriage, and it's often operating under the radar. Uh, Many centers and doctors don't test for it because there is still some question as to how relevant it is. So it's a controversial topic uh, because some doctors think that it really makes a difference. Others don't think it does. I have seen it be what I believe to be relevant because I've had patients with diagnosed endometritis that keep having failed implantation or early miscarriages, like a, like a chemical pregnancy, a bladed ovum. So there are things we can do with our lifestyle to control this issue and make it go away. And, and so I thought that it would be a good thing to touch upon because even if you haven't been tested for it, maybe you just do the, and, but if you're having trouble getting pregnant or you're having in failed implantation, maybe it's something that you can just follow the lifestyle recommendations for and, uh, and then you might have success. All right. So endometritis, the inflammation of the lining of the uterus is caused generally by an infection in the uterus. It can be due to a sexually transmitted infection like chlamydia, gonorrhea, could be caused by tuberculosis, or more commonly what I see is a mix of normal vaginal bacteria. Now that said, there is a doctor in New York City who believes that all infertility is caused by bacteria and like often that times it's latent um, hidden chlamydia. And so he blasts people with like intravenous antibiotics and antibiotic washes internally. And he believes that he helps people get pregnant through this method. Now, I have seen excess use of antibiotics be incredibly detrimental to people's overall health and fertility in, in a lot of cases. And I've also seen endometritis not even respond to it and maybe they develop something like C. diff. So it would be a better approach, in my opinion, to try to control the bacteria naturally as much as possible. And if one is to do antibiotics, um, then to do the things that would help rebuild the microbiome, the good flora of the system, because having a healthy balance of bacteria actually leads to improved outcomes in fertility. This negative sort of mix of normally occurring vaginal bacteria, generally it becomes a bit more of an issue in people who would tend to have an imbalance of vaginal bacteria. And that could be seen in cases where you have more vaginal discharge or slightly yellow vaginal discharge, or you tend towards bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections. But 
We'll get into that a bit more. It's also more likely to occur after miscarriage or childbirth, like that we might develop this imbalance of bacteria. It's definitely more common after a long labor or C-section. Uh, and it's like, it's like an openness kind of thing, kind of the same thing with like miscarriage and childbirth. What people don't know is that it can also be introduced through transcervical procedures like hysteroscopy, HSG, IUI, IVF, like these procedures that you're essentially going through uh, can introduce an imbalance of bacteria, a DNC, uh, an abortion. Uh, these are the kind of things that can lead to an imbalance of bacteria. And when the immune system cannot contain a vaginal infection and it ends up infecting the cervix and the uterus, very rarely even a fungal infection like candida may end up reaching and colonizing the uterine lining. Although to be honest, I don't know how rare it is because candida can be somewhat systemic. It can also be acute or chronic, like somebody could have endometritis for months or years and not even be aware of it. And, or they could just develop it, you know, recently after a procedure or something, or maybe after taking antibiotics. Although both acute and chronic endometritis can cause infertility and recurrent miscarriage, chronic endometritis is particularly elusive and easily overlooked since its symptoms can be extremely subtle or almost non-existent. Chronic endometritis causes a persistent low-grade inflammatory response, which is largely asymptomatic but generates an unfriendly environment for a pregnancy to implant and thrive in. If you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you'll hear me talk about this like low-grade inflammatory response going on and how it wreaks havoc in the systems, the hormones, circulation, implantation. And most of the time we are unaware of it. Like it can manifest in weird symptoms. It can be something like IBS, it could be brain fog, it could be fatigue, it could be body ache, it could be painful periods, it could be completely unrelated symptoms to the reproductive system, so you don't put two and two together. When an infection does show signs, they typically consist of pelvic discomfort, abnormal vaginal bleeding, and or unusual vaginal discharge. But in the vast majority of cases, chronic endometritis is a silent condition. Most of the patients that I've seen who have it, they had no idea. They didn't have vaginal discharge, didn't have any pain, nothing's going on, they just weren't getting pregnant. Chronic endometritis in women who suffer from infertility and recurrent pregnancy loss ranges from around 14 to 58%. It's like a fairly significant number. And the most reliable diagnostic procedure for chronic endometritis is having an endometrial biopsy. So they take a little piece of the uh, uterine lining. Uh, with a histologic analysis, which when positive will show plasma cells in the endometrial stroma. Plasma cells in the stroma are a diagnostic marker of chronic endometritis. An endometrial culture is usually performed alongside the biopsy to identify the exact bacteria which is causing the infection. Although I haven't seen that, you know, even if they identify the certain strains of bacteria, I haven't seen that the Antibiotics have been very successful in treating it. Generally, with conventional medicine, antibiotics and antifungals are what, what's used as the intervention. But for whatever reason, endometritis can be stubborn. And maybe it's been there for a while and you've done doses of antibiotics and not even knowing it was there, and that's made it more resistant uh, maybe with all the hormonal changes from IVF cycles, that's made it more virulent. 
because the rising in estrogen, for example, a lot of excess estrogen in the body from the growth of a bunch of eggs and these medications will make you have more bad bacteria. It's one of the reasons why we feel so puffy. And then, as I mentioned before, you could keep having procedures that key keep reintroducing more opportunities for infection, maybe other strains of bacteria. It's, it's really, it's really can be a vicious cycle if you're going through treatment. I have had the most success with patients getting rid of it, like a pesky case of it, when antibiotics wasn't clearing it, antifungals weren't clearing it, that they just stopped all their fertility treatment for a couple months. And we did herbs and dietary stuff and um, lifestyle stuff, and then, and then it went away. Uh, not with the extra intervention, the extra treatments and extra hysteroscopies. It's like, you know, the thought is like, oh, if we keep scraping it and keep blasting it, then, you know, that'll definitely make it go away. And it actually oftentimes makes it worse or more persistent. So what I didn't mention yet are some of the things that feed the bacteria. Um, so I did mention estrogen, the, the higher levels and the changes in hormones can do it. Even the like synthetic progesterone can lead to bacterial changes. A high sugar or carb diet will do it for sure because sugars and carbs, especially refined carbs, are food for bacteria and yeast. Um, that's why you'll see on candida diets, for example, that um, you're not supposed to have refined carbs and, and sugars. Yeasty things like booze, cheese, and fermented items. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to take a probiotic and a pill. I'm just going to take kimchi. I'm just going to eat kimchi or kefir or what have you. These have benefits for sure. But when you have some like wilder strains of probiotics and things in these foods, they can sometimes temporarily aggravate a condition. And so I generally like to use like specific bottled ones that have the right strains of bacteria to treat the infection. Um, it's not that I'm against fermented foods in the diet. I just think in, in these kind of situations, they aren't always the best approach, though I, I do obviously like um, food as medicine. So even the kombucha, for example, maybe not the greatest thing for this situation just because it can lead to more proliferation of certain strains of bacteria. So cheese, fermented stuff, booze for sure. Wine, beer can, are kind of the devil for this sort of condition. Uh, it just feeds the yeast and feeds the bacteria. Mushrooms, probably lesser known. The spores are not ideal. And mushrooms are really in these days, uh, especially the medicinal mushrooms. And I love them for a lot of things, but if you have a lot of candida or weird bacterial strains kind of going crazy in your system, then mushrooms are not really your friend at the moment. So we have the dietary approach, which is essentially I would recommend like a candida diet. And, and that can be, you know, easily pulled online, like what to avoid in a candida cleanse, for example. And this is just like broad strokes. And then you know, what else can we do? We can do gentle antimicrobials. So it doesn't have to be like antibiotics, for example. It could be um, colloidal silver, Chinese herbs, short-term use of garlic, oregano extract, grapeseed extract. Um, these are natural antimicrobials that uh, are still killing bacteria, but they don't necessarily really affect the microbiome really adversely. The problem I see a lot of the time when using antifungals and antibiotics, the conventional forms, is that we wipe out a bunch of the bacteria and we're wiping out the bad and the good bacteria 
And then like a couple weeks later, two, three weeks later, I see it come back. And, and that is in the case of endometritis. That is in the case of urinary tract infections. I remember in university, I was getting urinary tract infections and the doctor kept giving me antibiotic dose after antibiotic dose. And I would take the antibiotics and then a few weeks later, I would have it come back and I would do it again and I have it come back. And at that time, I didn't know about like how bad this was and what I was doing. And, and so, you know, when I learned more about natural medicine in the next couple of years, I, I knew to take the right probiotic. I knew how to change my diet and then I stopped getting them. And I see the same kind of thing happen with my patients, like recurrent urinary tract infections, recurrent yeast infections, recurrent BV, bacterial vaginosis, recurrent endometritis, issues with the gut. And, you know, I, I think antibiotics are amazing. We need them for, for bad infections. We, we totally, it's, it's an amazing thing that we have them. But if we keep using them willy-nilly, we're, we just get ourselves into a bit of a pickle. If we keep using them willy-nilly, we get ourselves into a bit of a pickle. Okay, what else? A solid probiotic. You can check out our dispensary. There's a links on the Naturna Life website to uh, to get into full script or Wellivate. Uh, and you can also ask us for our recommendations. And uh, you'd also want to re- be reducing inflammation with things like uh, really strong, good quality omega-3, also available through the online dispensary. You do want to look at detoxing estrogen from your body, particularly if you have fibroids, endometriosis, if you have been through IVF cycles, if you have taken um, medications for an IUI, because the excess estrogens floating around your system are a problem for so many things, your mood, your weight, inflammation, um, and endometritis, bacterial growth, yeast growth. So things like indole-3-carbonyl, calcium deglucarate, vitamin B6, uh, these are super, super useful. Do be aware when I mentioned B6, like this is a good estrogen detoxifier, but just be aware that that there are B vitamins that actually feed bacteria. So, you know, sometimes we dose like high doses of like B12, for example, and other Bs, and they can actually lead to a proliferation of bacteria. I think Bs are incredibly important for our mental health, for our energy, and for our clarity and for our hormones. But um, when we have a proliferation of yeast, we have to be careful about the balance of things. So I think that endometritis does make a difference in outcomes, and I think sometimes it means taking a little bit of a break from some some of the conventional meds to just get rid of it. It doesn't have to be a super long break, but enough to just rebalance the body. Acupuncture is helpful, herbs are amazing, and supplements are really useful too alongside uh, a diet that would not feed the bacteria and the yeast. Any questions on this topic or others or requests, we always love to hear them. Thanks for tuning in. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community. And I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.